Hello, Heron. Hello, Tom. I have a few topics in front of me today. Do you have any topics you want to raise? Nope. Okay. I realized sometime through the week that I had missed one of the more central aspects of my professional life as an example against some of your language hypotheses. And it hit me as I was sitting at my desk at work that I don't think I've ever raised this with you, but I I don't have a computer science background. I'm completely self-taught with regards to programming, with regards to... I mean, obviously, I'm observationally taught as well. Yeah. I taught myself yeah. enough in order to sure, survive, yeah. and then I was thrust into companies, and I learned very swiftly on the ground. Yeah. But I didn't take computer science classes yeah, in college, yeah. and I really didn't have any formal... I mean, aside from taking a few high school classes, which just got me access to computers and really were, like, glamorized spreadsheet and word processing tutorials... Yeah. I haven't done anything that's really applicable to my professional career in a formal sense. So when I do my work, I don't have a higher level language that maps onto my work. I think of things in relatively abstract terms. In fact, almost, well, m- most of them are non-language based terms. Yeah, I'm the cur- that's very curious. I mean, most of the people you work with probably have, you know, the the traditional Oh, yeah. some, am, am some I, have master's I, degrees, some are even PhDs. In well, yeah, science. but I mean, they've all been through the standard. Yeah, the formalized, uh, yeah, yes. Yeah. And for this reason, although I can describe, you know, data structures and flows and, you know, interactions and all this other kind of stuff, yeah. I appreciate that I don't have the linguistic formality and very swiftly tend to move to diagrams just as a means of explaining yeah. the ideas. It doesn't mean yeah. that there are errors or inconsistencies or inaccuracies in my no. ideas. It's just that I don't have a formalized vernacular. You don't have, yeah, yeah, exactly. I got it. Yeah, you don't know how they want to hear it or are used exactly. to hearing it yeah. in your own language maps to your own experience. Well, this is so. where it gets interesting because I don't actually, for a lot of what I do, I don't actually have a higher language. Yeah. I think of it in terms of, I mean, if you observe, you know, cogs and things hitting other things and things like that. I mean, there were, it's relatively abstract in terms of how it exists. I, I actually see it more like kind of information flow, which is non-linguistic. It's like you look at a river, and maybe in your view associated with the way language monkeys interact, they have a long narrative associated with the river. But I think there's probably something more primary associated with just acknowledging that water is flowing from one point to another point. And additional language just seems to be superfluous to describing that interaction. Yeah, I think yeah, I think that's probably correct. Most of my yeah. language about a lot of stuff has to do with my personal experience, Certainly. and it's all you know. And then there's yeah, the more scientific yeah. approach, which is yeah, yeah. So historically, it. I used to have some means of describing it internally, but I found. The culmination of this actually was when we talked last recording associated with my time at Ericsson. I was flown to Stockholm to work with some Ericsson scientists, or at least to see if I was a good fit for various Ericsson research labs. The one that I had the best fit with was the one where they gave me a room and just left me alone. But I interviewed with the folks who did their audio compression and their audio text analysis, and I talked a little bit about this last recording. 
I had developed audio compression. I had an audio compression, maybe two audio compression patents. So I developed a technology in this area to a high level. And certainly within my work with startups and internet telephony companies and all these kind of things, I, I had a well-defined knowledge base in the area and yeah. professional skills. But when I was before these academics who were, you know, very tightly wound in their vernacular and I was trying to describe, there was a notion in my audio compression associated with almost like audio atoms, uh, almost like phonemes in linguistics. Uh-huh. And the term that I used was phonics, maybe hooked on phonics or something yeah. like that, but it described yeah. the atomic. So I was describing something on the board and I threw in the word phonics and I immediately said, well, what's that? And looked at me in disgust. Yeah. And I thought to myself, that was the point where I stopped having any kind of semblance of need to have an internal language mapping. And I just appreciated that I understood data in a, like a more abstract sense. It, I didn't well, need a yeah. linguistic mapping yeah. onto that. Yeah. Yeah. And really my career, when I've had to describe things, particularly with, you know, managers standing overhead, kind of my ability yeah. to describe it in language is always stilted at best, but I can yeah. describe things diagrammatically and certainly in terms of my functional performance, I'm able to do my job to a sufficient level that I, you know, continue to be. They haven't fired you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but it's interesting, this notion of needing a language in these circumstances, because certainly through most of my professional career, it's not that I don't understand the data structures and the concepts of hierarchy yeah. and these kind of things. It's just that any kind of language that I map onto it, I know I won't be able to communicate to yeah. others because it's not a professional thing. And I thought this is quite a critical example associated with a lot of the way that you describe language. Well, yeah, if you want to be involved linguistically with mm. other people, then you have to meet them somewhere. <laughs> but it's <laughs> interesting know? because I mean, we've talked about, you know, is it possible to exist or not exist, but to the kind of stuff that I obviously have to do through my professional career associated with building these systems and what have you without having a language, a shared language, and just being able to independently work on something which is underlying this thing, which I don't think necessarily we've even had a descriptive term for. Why don't, wait, you've totally lost me okay. there. So this is a good example of let's, what let's we're talking about. Let's go back. Right. So when we've discussed a kind of metaphysics, the underlying elements, the uh, table, the chair, the stuff you can put your hands on, these kind of things, have always been mapped through language in your description. They've always had some linguistic component because... Well, I, I, yeah. I, actually, I'm hung up on what you originally said about metaf metaphysics, mm -hmm. I think it was. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I've tried to tease a metaphysics out of you associated with your. See, but I reject the whole con, the, the whole idea of metaphysics. Well, I mean that I that that strikes me as a form of pathology, really. Yes, but we've talked about this, yeah. and you've agreed that I can talk about metaphysics because I have so many different examples. Oh, you? And there's yeah, no, no, I'm just metaphysics and what I'm talking about. Yeah, here. I know. I'm just yeah. I, I just have been trying to figure out where you're coming from here with this and. Um, in any way, it, it really leaves me out <laughs> yeah. at some point here. So, yeah, but anyway, yeah, go on. I'm sorry. So I'm just wondering how one maps this back to the kind of Stonian construction of experience and, you know, mm. language descriptions of experience where all we have is language. When you can have examples which appear to be 
not i mean i understand the communication part and that part is clear even in yeah. my example that yeah. you know these things become very difficult if not yeah. impossible to communicate but still you talk about an interaction with the external world let's just call it that that is so heavily linguistically mapped that you find it difficult to find examples where you know language isn't completely tied up in every aspect of day-to-day life well, yeah, okay. I'll, I'll, is yeah. That, I mean, that's obviously a generalization yeah. of your yeah. position. Yeah, well, anyway, it's, I, I don't have any problem with that, really. So, go on, go ahead. And then, I guess, certainly within my career, this seems to be a kind of counterexample to this need for language. And I guess when I return to the stream example, I mean, that's perhaps one of the ways that I can think of my... I don't see, I don't see a quarrel here at all, because... The lang- language is absolutely fundamental to a great deal of what we do and totally irrelevant to a lot of other stuff we do. Mm. And uh, it's, it's knowing the difference, I guess, knowing mm. which situations require linguistic uh, interaction mm. and which don't come under that umbrella. So if we look at the interactions that don't come under that umbrella... <laughs> this is a space that we haven't yeah. really delved into too ah. deeply previously. Ah, that's a inter- yes, of course, because it's not the kind of thing you can talk about sensibly. Well, yeah, you have to give relative examples, but that's what I've tried to do. Yeah, the same yeah. thing. Well, this get this is partly you know what I talked about before. Well, even that doesn't. You know, there are some things you can talk about and some things you can't talk about, and. And uh, that was, I actually made a, a, na- a, or a word for that, and I don't remember what it was now so much for that. Um, well, it seems perfect for a word that can't be talked about, right? Well, yeah, the thing is – but it, it appears as though that, that over time that we can include stuff that previously was not talkable. Yes. And, and we can turn – I mean, that's what's – in a sense, what science has done. Yes. To a certain extent. Well, I mean, it's it's doing it. I mean, it's taking. I mean, at one time, you know, we had our experience of whatever we had done, but you know, it's it's science. I think is pretty good. But in any case, uh, that's slow. Yes. Well, I yeah. I, I would know. argue that science is so heavily linguistic, particularly now, that um, it's difficult actually for new. Ideas to emerge through it because the language is so tightly refined. Oh well, yeah. Within each department, the the uh, the language, but it's the language is in chaos and everywhere in science. I mean, they don't acknowledge it clearly, <laughs> mostly. <laughs> yeah. But but yeah, it's it's coming. <laughs> yeah. The language part is coming. I, I talked with Stephen Gurin even prior, I think, to our conversations, and he's a strong advocate that. There is a language that is missing in mathematics and science. I mean, it's it's Wolfram-esque, but it's probably a bit past yeah. Wolfram. Well, we just, yeah. yeah, we are beings embedded in time, and there is time after us, and things yes. will change. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, and the structures that we have been born into uh, are changing quickly these days. Mm. And... Uh, <laughs> who knows just exactly where this thing is headed <laughs> not mm. me you're familiar with Wolfram's work in new kind of science aren't you well I read the book yeah okay I made the point when I went to Las Vegas my friend who I had uh, 
I guess, lunch with and then an afternoon spending time with him was an avid advocate of Wolfram. And I made the point that when you saw Wolfram himself actually driving around in his BMW, which we saw quite frequently because he has Wolfram as his license plate to even more identify him, you get a kind of greater sense of the man as someone who I think drives actually to solve problems because he certainly wasn't driving purposefully to get from one location to another. We just see him driving around, you know, he'd make concentric turns and a variety of different things which seem to indicate that he wasn't actually going anywhere. He just drove in order to... He just likes driving. Exactly. You know, it was a nice... uh, I think it was a Mercedes. I'm pretty sure it was a Mercedes, not a BMW. Does he have the windows down or up? He had the windows up. Okay, so he has his own air conditioning. Yeah, and he wasn't... the weather doesn't have anything to do with it. He wasn't driving at speed as well, which was always curious because we constantly find ourselves stuck behind him and then we'd overtake him and then we'd realise that he was just driving round. Yeah, because you know, we come back to the same area and returning, yeah. and we'd see him still out driving. Interesting. Yeah, maybe he was uh, testing you guys. Yeah, not, not you guys testing him. He we, was trying. No, well, let's we we, try this. We and see how these guys respond to this. Yeah. We we actually offered that as a possibility because it became so curious, <laughs> and in particular, it was a, a you know it was a frequent thing. We could almost predictively be yeah. on the streets of. Campbell slash Los Gatos on a Saturday morning, and there would Wolfram would be. <laughs> yeah. So when you right. know Wolfram as a physical entity, he has slightly, perhaps slightly less gloss, or perhaps even slightly more mystique. Oh, I don't. See, none of that really makes any difference to me. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, it would be nice. Uh, yeah. I mean, if I, I mean, if I had personal experience of him, then yes. I could fold into my. But all I've got is the book. Yeah, and the book. I uh, yeah. Uh, for me, the book doesn't go far enough. And well, I thought it was a really good first step. With that sort question. of, you know, yeah, it's a good yeah. good statement of, yeah. of where he, of his thinking about things and throwing it out there. Yeah, it's uh, a bikini need, of ideas. Yeah, what needs to happen stones. now is people need to respond to it and yeah, you know, move it on. Yeah, well, in see. that light, a friend of mine actually uh, published an open access book this week of uh, simulation methodology which I think is an amazing book and actually captures a number of ideas that I've kind of thrown around but not been able to distill. He does it in a very mathematically centric way, however. There's lots of formulae and lots of, like, multi-dimensional differential equations and all this kind of stuff. So I think <laughs> it is aimed at a very specific kind of Well, but of do, you, do you need to know that to mm. get the other parts of it, though? Yeah, well, maybe. I don't... Unfortunately, I know that part, so I can't really yeah. answer for the negative in this circumstance. Oh, okay. But I was thoroughly impressed that someone's actually getting this stuff together in a form that people can access, and because I <laughs> well, except on... you and I can't access. Well, I can access it. You may not be able to. Um, but well, at least that it's accessible. I think that might be the term. Maybe accessible isn't even applicable okay. here. Because I've, I've read things that I know were not meant for me to read. Yeah. You know, they're full of formulas and yeah. stuff. But I know I know how to find the parts that I can mm. read. You know, there's so there much are meaning all, yeah. conveyed in formulae in this context. It may be uh, more difficult. That would be uh, my okay. concern all right. here. Then, then, all right, that makes yeah. sense too. I've run into those too. I just uh, it was nothing for me there. Yeah, yeah, my perspective reading through it, and I did a kind of precursory three chapter scan when it was first announced. Was some of this knowledge is so esoteric that I think it sh- it gives a bar basically, which I'm normally arguing against. But in this circumstance, actually, I'm relatively supportive of. Because I think in order to come to some of these things, if you haven't done experiments and mathematics, formulaic experiments, but also basic simulation experiments, 
you're not going to get some of the nuances yeah. through, and you probably should, when you hit that, go back and say, okay, what do I need to learn in order to understand yeah. this? Or do I just need to move on to something else? Yes. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Yeah. In any case, so, you know, well, maybe this is to be continued associated with my work in computer science language. It might be a returning topic. There's well, I'm not really quite sure what the topic even is right now. Uh, well, we're moving into the next topic. We can return back to that one if you thought we haven't dealt with it. E- well, I, I, I'm like I say, I'm almost not sure what the hell we were even talking about. We were talking about can can things can work perhaps of what appears to be a relatively intellectual pursuit. Work of a per- intellectual pursuit. Yes, developing computer software. Let's just say. Okay. Where. Okay. The agreed-upon language is not enacted by an entity who is still able to produce work in this environment without participating in the agreed-upon language. If you're going to deal with other people, in other words. Yes. Yeah, okay, yeah, and then you have to, yeah, Yeah. understand something about the way language functions for them. And... More and it's over, probably considerably different than yours. Certainly. And, and, yeah, yeah. And moreover, isn't it interesting that there is something here that is underlying, uh, below, let's say below, but maybe not just not connected with language, which is an entity which is produced through this thing without... And here, to be fair, I have learned a lot of stuff, and I do speak some of the language. I just don't enact the language when I do my development in the environment. And it is kind of curious in that descriptive sense, but I was looking for an example of something other than language, which is what we've agreed to. Well, you know, really, listen, I've got to stop you mm-hmm. again because I, you've totally lost me. Okay. <laughs> and I'm trying to figure out where it's... Yeah, I, I yeah, I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is, but it's like it just evaporates into air. Maybe it's uh, maybe I've had a stroke. Well, you said <laughs> maybe a fresh glass of wine. So no, no, actually, I, no, I you I, haven't I, been no, drinking. It's, no, I haven't been drinking it. I've been so enthralled with the, <laughs> the discussion, I haven't even looked at it. Hardly. Okay, so the way I approached this initially was to describe aspects of my professional experience. Wait a minute. Yeah, let's let's put this all back into a big can that we can put a label on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that would be what? The whole thing came under how, Well, I guess what I'm what I'm trying to find here is interesting counterexamples to the ongoing discussion that we have associated with language being so central to existence or to a perception of existence, communicated language. And I've been able to tease through these discussions things that aren't language and can't be linguistically embodied. Really? Yes. And, and yet we can talk about them? Uh, I think we can. I mean, what, we des- what I described with the stream was, <laughs> again, I don't, want to do, I don't want to use terms like a priori or all this kind of stuff because yeah, that just yeah. further muddies the waters. Well, but it, it also is being honest, too, about mm. how much we're starting off with our own assumptions mm. and projecting them out there as though they were something <laughs> not <laughs> created by us. Mm. I guess through this as well, through our ongoing four-plus years discussion, 
an idea of a sub-linguistic language monkey, or I think that's the term that we use. Sub-linguistic yes. language. Well, that would be self-contradictory. Sub-linguistic language monkey would be a sub-language monkey, yes. not a sub-linguistic Sorry. language monkey. Well, let's call them a sub-language monkey. I can't remember okay. what the term was that we agreed upon, but we okay. did go through these kind of A sub-language monkey. Well, yes. that would just be a regular monkey, wouldn't it? Uh, well, however, they exist in the realm of the language monkey, and typically we've had somewhat derogatory examples associated with oh, no, these kinds of Oh, but no, but those aren't sub and They have language. I mean, obviously, you know, well, I, maybe I'm missing the point then. If, if I'm, you're suggesting... Well, no, I'm saying historically we've talked about this. We're not talking hmm. about this in this context. I'm just decompressing okay. our prior conversations in okay. some... Okay, well, your the, your decompression is is quite different than whatever. Well, anyway, it, it, in any case, it, <laughs> so you're talking to someone currently who, in this example, did not do any formalized computer science. It was able to self-teach coding, and through this process, realized. And I've realized this in a formal sense. I just never expressed it to you previously. Mm-hmm that a lot of my work within code has no common language that I can share with others. Oh. It's not even necessarily experiential. The example that I gave associated oh. with the river flowing is probably the best metaphor I can find for it. Mm-hmm. Where in order to enact work... Yeah, you, yeah, and I see you've stuff, developed everything in, in your own isolated environment not isolated so much but but in any way unaffected and same thing i run into in in linguistics in some sense exactly when i talk to academic linguists however because i'm able to do because i'm able to jump through a series of hoops and hit a few whistles and do a wide variety of things you can make a living i can make a living at it but i don't have when i enact it it's not even pattern based i've i've Early in my career, spent some time with a savant-like individual who I felt a certain kinship with because he too was able to earn a living in computer science while still being a savant in the area. And he said, well, the way that he did it was all based on pattern matching. And that's certainly not my experience. He had actually 50 quite elaborate patterns, which one evening he began to illustrate for me. And towards the end, he indicated that he'd read a few books on pattern matching and looked at this together, but he still had patterns that he hadn't been able to find in any of the pattern matching books. So I have encountered others through the Mm. field, and it is an interesting field where you will occasionally find people who have no university education. The fellow who was a co-worker of mine who was arrested for pedophilia and is now in jail in the UK was like that. He never went to college at all. He just yeah, went he out just and did it. working. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, there's that. There's a whole range of possibilities, and all of them <laughs> appear to show up. And I guess the thing that I try to <laughs> extract from you in our conversation is a notion of something other than language. Here, what I'm trying to say, although it's very funny, actually, because and I had this in my notes when I was thinking of this as an idea to even raise as a topic tonight, because all of computer programming is wrapped in language. It's of just course. not English. It's some no, programming no, language no. that some concepts are wrapped yeah, into. Right, yeah. Yeah, it is language. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a very different kind of language. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, it's one that's been debugged somewhat. Well, it at least allows you to debug it. If, if yeah, be in most cases. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's and really, the, and again, it seems to me the challenge is to is to connect the, the two from certainly. spoken language yeah. down to the most basic core language, uh, th- there needs to be a, a way to compile them from one to the other. Well, not from regular English, but one level down from English, there ought to be a compilable spoken English. Hmm. One would hope. Huh? Well, I mean, that doesn't sound... Actually, I mean, the thing is, I just don't know anything about it, but it seems relatively simple to me. <laughs> you know? You only need less than 5,000 words and a few rules, and it and um, well, I don't know. I, I don't know I'm, anything. I'm very about sympathetic. It. I'm very sympathetic to that idea, Heron. But I think that's why you and I talk on a Friday night because I'm sympathetic to a lot of the ideas that probably most would throw up their arms and run from. So, yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah. It, it's it. On one hand, it's it's a huge thing. On on, on another, again, if you just try to just take out the bullshit of English. It, it won't get you all the way there, but boy, it gets you awfully fucking close, you know? Mm. And the rest, you know, I say you just get rid of the five stupidities and, I mean, and really apply them, really, <laughs> you know? Yes. Uh, then um, there's not, that, that pretty much does a large part of it. So, but how do you get that? How do you, how do people learn to do that? To be continued at a future date, I think. <laughs> You're right. I so. like seeding these topics and then returning to the periodically, kind of change them. Yeah. And the beauty of your mind, and I think the the beauty of your mind is an accurate encapsulation of this thing, <laughs> is that sometimes you will forget completely, and I have to completely re-explain it, and it changes and it mutates. And oh yeah, it goes. it's cool. Yes. Well, these are ideas. None of these are are really nothing that I haven't thought of a lot of times. <laughs> you know, there's nothing really new here. So. But your reinterpretation is always fun. Well, th- that's important because um, each old version was flawed. Mm. I mean, they are always flawed. They're always flawed. <laughs> you know, <Yes>. so <laughs> it yeah. makes it easier <laughs> to come back to them when you don't remember. <laughs> So I'm finding myself increasingly confronted by people who are still stuck in a... And the funny thing is that they periodically consume these Stone Ape recordings, they periodically listen to my podcasts, and yet they come at me with these beliefs which are just so curious to me. Uh, Let's take a few for example. Let's give yeah. me, let me give you a few examples. Yeah. I mean, so, and when you say they come at you, you mean through uh, text on yes, the, the on Stone Age? Fa- on, on Facebook. On okay. Facebook, primarily. So, to you yes. or to, or to so the. For example, to the st- let, me, let me give yeah. a couple of examples and then okay. this will illustrate this further. I and these are things I never would have seen. These are addressed know, strictly you, to you, I guess. You might see them. Who knows how you actually yeah. consume Facebook, Karen? But let me give you yeah. a couple of examples. The first is associated with a post that I put out as I was editing Stone Age last week. I thought to myself, is there a dialogue? Is this. Is there a time that has come to have a dialogue associated with not the current political system, but a potential future political system? Is this something that can be had in the public square at this stage? Because so many people, a majority... Haven't we already 
talked about that? Let uh, me. This is associated with the belief game thing. I'm actually wrapping this into a, a thing here. Harry. Okay. All right. I'm sorry. So a bunch of people posted a series of really thoughtful posts, and I thought it was actually quite interesting. And then a fellow posted, "Just vote for Bernie Sanders." And this is an individual whose whole <laughs> interaction through Facebook is Bernie Sanders-related propaganda. Yeah, He's okay. an older gentleman. Yeah. I, I feel burdened to remain pleasant in his company. Well, but, n- n- just bought that, yeah, yeah. Yes. It, yeah, but, you don't need to be around people like that. Exactly. You want to avoid and that. He, he basically shut down the Facebook discussion because he kind of put a funk to the whole thing, and people didn't comment further. In some circumstances, I just <laughs> cut the posts in these circumstances. Another example of this, which I was going to talk about later in the recording, but I could talk about now, is I went to my local community action meeting this week, and there was a bar owner at the meeting who wanted to expand his bar. He was responsible, or at least he served liquor to the drunk driver that took out a few cars and, you know, landed in my neighbor's front yard and people did a citizen's arrest dog. But this guy, the bar owner was just so shifty that I firstly mentioned the incident with the car and said, what are you going to do to stop these kind of things from happening in the community, which he had no adequate answer to. But then uh, he asked the community, because most of the community was explicit and very verbally hostile to this individual, what should he do? And I piped up and said, look, you're in an amazing position. His daughter was there to indicate he was a family man. And I said, you know, you're in an amazing position currently where he purchased the bar in 1990. So he's had, you know, 30-odd years or 25-odd years of amazing profit. He's in a position now where he can sell his bar for probably four or five times what he initially paid for it. He can give a large chunk of money to his daughter and he can find another business. The bar has only seven seats in it. So, you know, you have to wonder what kind of enterprise it really is. Uh, And then he asked me how long I'd lived here and I said a year and a half. And he said, well, I shouldn't have moved here based on his bar being there. It was actually my fault to move into the neighborhood, not his fault to, you know, to do these things. Yeah. And uh, there was a general kind of gasp in the community uh, meeting, and uh, I memorialized this and sent it off to the city the next morning. The city, I hit send, and literally a minute later, the city (laughs) called me back and said, uh, we're not going anywhere with this bar proposal. Thank you for submitting your uh, email your concerns have been well noted. This bar is not going to be expanding. And we're going to have another community meeting, which will be official, and feel free to come to that as well. I posted this experience on Facebook, and our listener, our long-term listener, who's listened to every single Stone Ape who I've met, Paul Brian Hancock, started a multi-post series associated with how I was wasting my energy on dealing with these circumstances, and that he had an experience where he lived next to a bar and he had all kinds of problems happen to him. I don't talk about this explicitly within Stone Ape, but my working with the community is kind of twofold. The first fold is that, as I noted, associated with this bar owner, we also, if we were to sell now, would have gained a substantial amount in just the year and a bit we've lived here. 
And I like to think that that's actually, this is my neuroses, my inner story, what have you. But I like to think that I had some part of that. that uh, truth be told, if I just sat back and never attended one of these meetings, the house price would have increased over this period of time anyway. But I like to think that somehow by getting kids internet in the local community centre and all these other kinds of things, I'm enacting part that I'm actually assisting with this thing. It's well, that's, all my yeah, listen, that's the game that you're always involved yes. in, and uh, you can take that out of the equation yeah. at, at this point. I, I, mean, if, yeah, yeah. I, I just wanted to state it explicitly, because <clears throat> I'm not sure where Paul Brian Hancock's experiences came from. I'm not sure if he was landowner in this circumstance. I'm not sure if he was seeing an immense gentrification in the area. His, his comments seem to indicate that he didn't have those experiences, that it was just a negative that taxed his energy. But certainly this, although a bunch of crazy shit goes on and it makes very good joking for Stone Ape recordings, particularly associated with prostitution, a variety of other factors, I actually solidly, and this could be complete naivety on my part or just indicative that I am a stupid language monkey scum, view the fact that things are actually improving in this area. The police are coming to the next meeting. I'm actually hosting it. The president is going to be away, so I will be chairing the next meeting with the police there. And I think there is an opportunity in this interaction to at least introduce a number of the ideas that I've already floated through Stone Ape, hopefully not in a forum where I will have to solicit bail money um, following. <laughs> but I actually don't... I mean, listeners may get the perspective this is all negative, this is all downhill, this is all Tom in a horrible environment where people will come and kill him. But actually, I think there are things of improvement. And unfortunately, through this Paul Brian Hancock interaction, there was no way to actually do that in a kind of level playing field. So I guess my perspective is, should I change the way that I deal with others' beliefs, others' perceptions, others' interaction when I guess I'm trying to make one point and people come at it with a completely different angle. And you've been relatively successful, although you have thrown yourself into various philosophy <laughs> Facebook groups and other things. I see you on LinkedIn periodically posting as well. So, I mean, you do play this game too. Well, not not wholeheartedly. I mean, it depends on. on I'm I'm still looking. I haven't yeah. found any place. I mean, I I join places for a while and I throw out some things and just see what happens. And uh, after a while, I get bored and stop. Yeah, you know, and look for something else. You know, yeah. um, so. But that that's that's just part of the game I'm playing, you know. I, I realize that probably the people I'm interested in aren't in any any one particular thing. They could be anywhere. They could yes. be right wing, you know. They could be George Bush fans, yes. you know. They could be anybody. Just not Rand supporters. You've, you've drawn the line with the Rand supporters. No, I, no, no I, I draw my line nowhere. Very good. You know, there's there isn't any. I mean, I do when I'm considering marketing and stuff. I mean, then I'm thinking about those things and, yes. and have to make choices. But right now, I, I don't have to make those choices. So, um, But that's tough. Yeah. Yeah. And my sense is, is that, you know, I mean, there's the obvious, you know, new age stuff, psychology. I mean, there's all, a whole bunch of obvious fields that you can go for. But mm. um, and, and that may be okay to get started, you know. Yes. I mean, part of my frustration through this is a sense that what we are trying to do here through our various rambling points, and funnily enough, this is another topic for this evening, uh, might be to elevate a conversation, to say to a group of folk, if you at least listen into these things, 
take away enough from it that we can have a discussion that is slightly more elevated than the way in which you might traditionally behave in certain circumstances. It is asking a lot. But I hope through doing these recordings <laughs> that people consume, that when people actually consume these recordings, that would enable them to have a different kind of discussion with us. Yeah. And I think and you've, you've acknowledged this frustration as well, because historically when we've had callers, you found it very frustrating that these people have claimed to actually have listened to some of these things and yet then come in and don't really have an understanding of what we talk about on some very fundamental level. I can easily make a, a room available on my TeamSpeak thing yeah. where uh, people could just come and talk yeah. amongst themselves. Or anything. In fact, I will do that. Yeah. Uh, I'll do it after this show. I'm just going to make it. The S word. <laughs> oh, 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 that's right. Recording, well, it's, it's Recording. turning. Well, no, it's, 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 it is more of a show now. Yeah. I mean, it is, really. I mean, let's face it. <laughs> yeah. If it's not a show. Yeah. Yeah. The uh, show, perhaps. Maybe the sub-Muppet show. In any case. Yes. Hold on. All my alarms are going off telling, telling me that uh, it's time for the Stone Ape podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God. Okay. You God. see, that that was like the Muppet Show. That's like the theme song. Aaron's alarm's going off for the theme <laughs> right, song for the right. show. That's, the, that's, the, that, that's it. It's now not a bad get one. Get on with the show, ladies and gentlemen. On with the show. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, that's a cool. Uh, I, I, I like that one. That's why I use that. Yes. You know? It's, it's um, well, in any case. I promised the audience a sad story. I had the opportunity to chat with Heron at the end of the last recording. We cut the recording short, and I had a brief chat with Heron associated with the sad story. <laughs> well, really, it's kind of moved in a variety of different directions, but I just wanted to lay it out. And behind this story is some notion... Is it still sad? No, I don't even know. I mean, you don't I even know? We'll figure, well, we, let's we, figure we, it out. We'll figure this out. Let's figure okay. it out. All right. When I was a, a youngster, I dreamt about meeting my childhood heroes. And I met my childhood heroes, and I realised that they were just probably even people that I wouldn't normally, like, socialise with or interact with. What do you mean you met them? Well, in the case of John Draper, when I was 18, uh, John Draper the phone hacker, he turned up at my dorm room demanding pancakes and then proceeded to give me a body massage, which paralysed me for a couple of days. In the case of my... Hero Steve Wozniak. I oh, okay. Him, all right. All right. I got you. You're talking about you're, 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 all right. Now I understand what okay. you're talking about. You're yeah. talking about your individual heroes. Yes. Okay. So when I find people whose work I like, I'm now more hesitant associated <laughs> with getting into these kind of interactions. <laughs> That's right. Of course. Because That's I only reasonable. Like to, on some level, not even necessarily have a fantasy about people, but just appreciate people for their work where I don't have to have an interaction with them. Yeah, all of that's very helpful. Good good one, man. <laughs> so, lo and behold, I didn't realise that some of the skills that I had might be interesting to these people. Taking a step back, I, through my time at Netflix, and Netflix actually encourages this, have talked to a couple of startups, mainly just to see what the state of the art is with their particular fields. On both occasions, I paid for their lunches, so it wasn't in any way... 
you know, couldn't be misconstrued. And I'm very mindful that one of the benefits that I get from working at Netflix is a paycheck that I find unfathomable. Yeah. And That's nice. You just stick it in the bank. Yeah. And don't have to worry about money. And then my wife doesn't have to worry about money. And then we can find a place in the middle of nowhere intellectually. It gives you a lot of options. It's a good thing to Yeah. I mean, I really feel for people that have to. It's it's terrible. I I don't actually like talking about it because it's not. It, it doesn't map on. Well, it doesn't. No, it and, doesn't. You're right. Yeah. Because I, well, I understand yeah. it because I lived the other way for yes. 40 years. Yes. You know? In any case. So, I mean, I understand. Yeah. But that wasn't bad either. I mean, yeah. that was by choice. Mm. I started, uh, actually, I've been following for about 11 years now a filmmaker by the name of Casey Neistat. Originally, he worked heavily with his brother, Van Neistat, for the past two years. Van Neistat hasn't been around. Van Neistat has been working with a former mentor of both of them. And Casey Neistat now does a daily video blog, which I have watched voraciously. I try to encourage my spiritual advisor to watch. He watched for a period of time. Kind of got a bit bored with the format. But it was also the inspiration, aside from a number of conversations with you, Heron, to create short funk just as a daily thing. And to see how it would impact people yeah. on a daily basis. Or, or even you. <laughs> Maybe even me, yes. yes. Emerge a philosophy from all this rambling. Nyset created a company called Beam. And Beam is an iOS app where you take four-second video clips of your environment or your friends or explaining what Beam does purely by covering... There's a sensor on the iPhone associated with is it close to your head... And really, it's just a light sensor that either indicates yes or no, it's close to your head. And it's not even close to your head. It means it's being covered by something. So in order to do this, I put the back of my hand on the phone, and that indicates let's start recording the four seconds of video. You can record multiple bits of four-second video and put it together. It's Snapchat-esque. It's got elements of Instagram and elements of YouTube. But unlike these other platforms where you actually record and edit and put up, this is an instantaneous broadcasting of the past four seconds. Uh, it's, I <laughs> thought it was very interesting. I originally thought he was going to do it. Wait a minute. So, so <laughs> it's not actually recording it. It's broadcasting it. No, 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 no. It records it and it puts it up. It's, if you it can imagine it in a queue or something. Yeah, it's, like. it's an interface similar to Twitter. You look down a series of people's names, you click on their name and you see their four seconds of video or, there's an algorithm which means if they shoot a bunch of these things over maybe an hour period in the same location, these four seconds of video are concatenated into maybe 20 seconds or 40 seconds, depending on how many four seconds of video clips they put together. Okay. So I didn't really know much about this because it was all kept under wraps, and then there was a YouTube thing announcing it. And then I thought, well, who are these people in this company? I'll go on LinkedIn and start looking some of these people up because... I have a relatively oh, yeah, that's a good way to do it. large yeah. social network, particularly in the field of iOS stuff. Yeah. I've alluded previously, and this is one that I think I can probably talk about this because it's pretty well public record associated with these things. I for, Net- for Netflix, I interview a bunch of people, primarily for iOS positions, in fact, almost exclusively for iOS positions. I get to meet a lot of iOS developers through that process. One of the guys who we ended up hiring was actually the head of NPR's iOS app, which gave me an amazing insight in a job interview with a guy 
to ask him a series of quite interesting and probing questions associated with NPR and all these kind of things, particularly associated with the digital media strategy, which obviously is an interest of mine. However, in looking at these folks who were connected with Beam or actually employed by Beam on LinkedIn, I forgot, in fact, I didn't even, I thought I'd switch this off. But LinkedIn has a facility where it can show people when you're looking at their pages as well. And uh, this gave an indication to a, I don't even know what she is at Beam, but a woman at Beam that I had looked at her thing and I was an iOS developer of four years experience with Netflix. So she contacted me and said, would I be interested in talking to them about an iOS position that they had open? Normally, I would not do anything like this. In fact, I was even hesitant to communicate. And I have a number of questions and concerns about Beam. But also, the worst possible case scenario for me in this initial interaction was that I would be face-to-face in a video conference with Casey Neistat, asking him about his history and doing a standard Tom Barbelay-style interview of this guy. Because at the end of these things, it's normally relatively negative. Yeah. So anyway, I interviewed with the uh, CTO who was the VP for Tumblr. Tumblr, are you familiar with Tumblr? Heron, uh, vaguely. I've... Tumblr is a microblogging website that sold um, for, I think, $1.2 billion. Folks who've listened to Short Funk will know that I mentioned recently this thing associated with numbers and blogging websites. There's a phenomenon with blogging, where the blogging websites only count the active blog, or not, they only count the total blogs. So blogging has a very small ratio of people that actively blog and people that just create a blog to try and work out what a blog is, or, more importantly, porn sites that create hundreds, potentially millions of blogs as just a means of aggregating their links. And that side of blogging sites is rarely talked about, but is actually a substantial portion. Well, wait a minute, wait a minute. What, I don't understand why anybody would do what you just suggested. So okay, so pornographers typically, well, there are two things. There's, there's, there's an even murkier area, which is associated with spyware, hackingware, and these kind of things. But what they're trying to do is get people to click on certain links to get them to their porn sites. Yeah. Now, a fast way of doing this is to write a script that enables you to create tens of thousands of Tumblr blogs that aggregate your porn site links in a variety of different ways, so they look like individual blogs. But all they're doing is just making sure that when people do Google searches for... um, What were some of those naked celebrity names? I can't think of any of them now. Kate... Anyway, whatever. Oh, whatever, yeah. Yeah. Then they will immediately get pointed to a particular porn (laughs) site because all these fake blogs that have been created by scripts all show through links to these porn sites. And then Google goes out and says, what's the highest link site? (laughs) Oh, mysteriously, we've got 100,000 sites of Kate, whatever her name is. How much longer can that last? Well, this is where it gets very curious. Really, they'll they'll close that one, then they'll have to figure out a new one, you you know. You think this, but actually this supports the blogging sites. In the case of Tumblr... It was actively acknowledged somewhere through this process that porn linking, not necessarily by automated scripts, but were a portion of the sites. And the curious thing is that when a majority of your active sites actively being added to are actually automated scripts by porn sites or hacking (laughs) wares websites or these kind of things, 
It's a very uh-huh. curious thing. Tumblr was sold, like I said, I think from $1.2 billion to Yahoo. I don't necessarily want to give a negative report associated with Yahoo, yeah. but... Yeah, no, know. well, yeah. it's just... Yeah. They're all fake numbers. Well, this is all part of the capitalism mm. system, and uh, that's all of this would disappear in a reasonable world. So, in this postulation, one may wonder why I even had any kind of critical analysis applied to Beam. <laughs> a large part of this was actually due to my own curiosity, because I am fascinated by numbers. I'm fascinated by numbers associated with what I do here. I... I tend to be hands-off about it. It requires Heron's prompting for me to look up the unique IP address numbers associated with Stonate, but I find it interesting. In the case of Beam, I had a number of concerns, and I had kind of done background number analysis associated with what their user base should be like. But through my conversation in particular with Nystat, he gave me more numbers that he probably never should have given to anyone. And what that indicated very strongly is that Beam, in its current guise, without substantial changes, cannot be a functional company if the aim is to cultivate active users producing content. If the aim is to become like some kind of blogging thing where you just want to get users that aren't actively participating, it might be there, but that's not even particularly compelling. So I guess through this conversation, I had way more questions than I had answers. And in my own mind, I thought, well, a couple of individuals within the Beam hierarchy could probably answer these questions. And, of course, this wasn't in any way translated because the Beam guys wanted to get me out to New York to interview. From my perspective, a trip to New York is wonderful. I love going to New York. However, from where I am now, it's three days of my time for a series of questions that I've basically already answered and this doesn't look like a functional company, and how do I kind of back my way out of this thing? <laughs> just like you just did. <laughs> without, well, you know, without actively... So I kind of said that I had some concerns, and I said, you know, can I talk to these people? And in parallel to this, I think this Matt guy, Matt Hackett, had appreciated certainly through some of the stuff that I said to him, but probably clearly some of the stuff that I said to Nystat, there was no benefit in getting me anywhere, and I clearly wasn't going to be coming out. So then it became this kind of yeah. long-standing... No communication game. And the sad thing through this was I had a really interesting and deep on a number of levels conversation with Casey Neistat. Very little of which related to Beam. Most of it related to his career, some of his professional philosophy, some of his stuff associated with mentoring. A number of the questions that I've basically generated over the past 11 years of interacting with his stuff. And initially, and in particular through my ongoing interaction with this Matt guy... I still, it's funny because I I have kind of two distinct minds. The first is that clearly, and this is one of the reasons I like Neistat's work, clearly he's only part of the way there. He's got a lot of stuff that he's got to get through. He's got a lot of growing that he's got to do. And I think probably this Beam experience is going to be very interesting for him, but he's got to do a lot of learning through this process, and I'm just going to leave it at that. Uh, it was a very curious example of something I'd promised myself that I wouldn't do. I was hesitant to do through the whole interaction. And as it is now, they're going to give me an update in about six to nine months' time about a series of things that I raised with them as concerns that they weren't willing to talk to me about any further. 
I can't see myself moving to New York, Karen. I can't see any of this stuff happening, but it was a very curious situation. Initially premised on the fact that I thought we'd all, following my conversation with Neistat, walked away from this thing, which is what I hoped would be the case. You know, they both acknowledged in different ways that they had a really enjoyable time talking to me and want to do it again in the future, maybe in a periodic fashion, I don't know. But it was a kind of curious interaction because I realised for them, to a certain extent at least, because I don't think they... I didn't really get the sense that they'd gone back. I mean, the CTO guy had looked at Noble Ape in a kind of precursory fashion, but I don't think Neistat had any sense of me other than the fact that I've spent four years at Netflix and he really loves the Netflix service. I mean, he uses the Netflix service continuously. Yeah, I, I mentioned Model Rail Radio to him just as an example of, like, crazy numbers mapping onto something I don't even know about. But in talking to him, I realised that Model Rail Radio is probably... You know, lar- considerably larger than Beam is currently, but also that he had a very, like, times four, times ten kind of thing with his numbers, where I already knew his numbers, because you can actually see how many people watch his YouTube channel, and he had a very kind of, let's multiply that by four, let's multiply that by ten in my talking kind of mindset. And my perspective is always that it's better to work with people, or at least have understandings with people who are not necessarily self-deprecating, but at least acknowledge the nonsense in these numbers, that they don't mean, you know, anything tangible in... Well, that's yeah. the question. I mean, that, that you know, I mean, to challenge that is is a problem if it's a problem. <laughs> well, it's a, it's a problem if your numbers are based on this kind of yeah. Tumblr no, no, I know. That's where what you I'm want saying. big it's, numbers, you know? Yeah, yeah I know. Love the big yeah. numbers. Yeah. Yeah, and they just make it up, yeah. you know? Or yeah, I mean the case. Well, people yeah. see again. Anybody that falls for that shit, they get what they deserve. Well, in this case, one point two billion dollars. Well, fine. <laughs> yes, it's good for him. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I should point out that the CTO did not make that money. He was the VP of engineering at some part of that, but the the founder certainly did, and he probably got a good portion of it in Yahoo stock, which is, you know. A good way of getting a good amount of toilet paper, I guess. <laughs> but yeah, it was a very curious interaction because the whole thing was kind of prefaced in a like a slow chain car accident reaction experience of I'm an idiot, I should never have looked these people up on LinkedIn, now I'm having an interaction with people, now I'm actually talking to Neistat, mm. now I've got this strange dance following. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, having gone through having gone through the first uh, whatever fifty minutes of this recording, I feel perfectly comfortable talking to our Stone Ape listeners associated with this thing. I wish them all the best, but as far as I'm concerned, the fundamentals aren't there, ladies and gentlemen. So the compelling nature of it as a technology just hasn't been. I mean, I I subscribe to a bunch of people, and I produced probably about 10 minutes of content for the first three weeks. The other thing is, because I was talking to them, I got a beam code about a week or two earlier than the volume of people, but here we're probably talking at most about, at the highest, probably 100,000 people, at the lowest, probably 30,000. And really, within that, you get a sense that it's probably around 50,000. And they're not growing anymore. I mean, this is part of the problem, that... Maybe that's the chunk. Yep, maybe. Well, it's going to be a learning experience. Ain't it? There's always more, but yeah, yeah. How, how you find them. I think yeah, they're going to have to do that. You're going to have to get them to do that. Clearly. Clearly. Yeah, that needs to be part of the format, probably, is is 
turning your listeners, the ones who come back, into, um, you know, promoters. All these mobile app companies like to think of themselves in an ecosystem by themselves. So what people have started doing through Beam is actually like filming their, um, just literally their Twitter handle, saying if you want to contact me outside of Beam, contact me through this account. And I've communicated with a few people through that. Yeah. But it's not a technology. I mean, even the principles within the company, although periodically they do this. But I mean, if I was in there in a startup mode, I would be insisting that everyone in the company produced at least 30 minutes worth of content a day. Because that's the only way that you're going to get people compelled into the interfaces is to have... This is the other thing. Yeah. yeah they paid... Yeah. Well, well, they certainly flew out and fed and did a variety of things for two or three tastemakers who we've talked about... Uh, we talked about Jerome, but I called him Louis, but there's another guy called Louis who's not Jerome here. The phenomena associated with these Snapchat, YouTube celebrities, they produce absolutely no content for the platform. So they flew them out, they did a bunch of stuff with them. I subscribed to them just to check their content. They're not producing any content with the platform. Anyway, from my perspective, a series of missteps, and because once I'd even indicated this in terms of some of my questions, just don't communicate with that guy, seemed to be the ongoing narrative there. (laughs) <laughs> Very curious experience. Not necessarily sure if it was sad. I mean, when I came to thinking of it as a sad story, this was actually the view that we'd all basically walked away from this discussion and I just had a conversation with, you know, Casey Neistat and this Matt guy and then basically we all decided to go back to our regular lives. To have them then contact me again probably four days after the fact, which is well past the point where you expect to hear from people in these kind of circumstances was really very curious, but then to realise I was actually just being strung along which for other curious reasons. Anyway, yeah, it was all a bit bizarre. I don't necessarily know if it was sad. It's just part of the strange Barbelay narrative that I like to inject into Stone Ape on occasion. <laughs> I, I would talk to Neistat again. I actually thought it was an interesting chat. He was very, very honest with me. I mean, I asked him questions where, you know, I was pulling no punches and he gave me very honest responses and that goes a long way in my perspective, but I yeah. also thought it might have alienated things in, in the short term. It didn't appear to, but I certainly haven't had any conversations with them since. Well, perhaps you should. Yeah, I felt like kind of emailing him and just saying, you know, it's great chatting, <laughs> something like that. But, and not yeah. not tell, say what, exactly what it is. Talk about the issue that you're worried about. You know, it was great talking to you and getting well, your opinions on these things. The problem, I guess, from that is the... The way in which he conveyed himself and the way in which he conveys himself is that he has a certain degree of experience and now is not his time to be getting advice. And my perspective through that is I've got to respect that in my interactions with them. And I've had an hour-long video chat with this guy. I've had no meaningful interaction with him. I've consumed a vast quantity of his media. I've probably asked him very thoughtful and relevant... I mean, he certainly quizzed me associated with whether I knew people... He was, I was asking him about, um, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I'll send him a friendly email just saying it was a great opportunity yeah. to have a chance to chat with you. Yeah. That's it. And if he wants to pursue that anymore, he could pursue it. But he's a busy guy. He's got a company in this circumstance and he has yeah, a bunch yeah, of investors. Yeah, he's got no need for, for, yeah, yeah, yeah he's, he's busy. Exactly. He's in his own <laughs> thing. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. Why would he, yeah, that, that's. You're arguing good. my point for me here. Yeah. <laughs> he's busy. Thank yes. you. Just sitting here. I've reminded myself that there were a couple of topics which I don't have in my notes, but I wanted to talk about. 
The first is, through a conversation that I had with you last recording, I decided to register a domain name. I've talked with you periodically associated with my concerns, perhaps musings, perhaps somewhat humorous anecdotes associated with what is loosely referred to as the medicinal cannabis industry in this country, and how its grounds are pretty shaky. My favourite discussion, which we could return to in a future date, associated with taste and smell is a good example of this. But my perspective is I've now done such a quantity of reading in the field and had such a vast slew of historical notes that this thing probably should manifest itself in something that's written. Mm, So based on our discussion last week, I thought, well, what will I call this entity? And one of the things that we talked about is this notion of what would happen in a reasonable world as opposed to what's gone on in the past (laughs) 40-odd years. So originally I thought, well, why don't I register the domain name like Reasonable World Biology or something like that? And then I progressively (laughs) cut it down to R-E-A... B-I-O, uh, or Rea Bio, I guess, or something like that, which is the shortest domain name I could get based on this idea of, of reasonable world biology. And okay. then, as I had just done this thing, I wrote a little manifesto for myself. What is it, dot what? Uh, com Orgnet. I haven't put anything up oh, yet. Oh, all of them. Yeah, oh. I haven't put oh. anything up yet. I will put something up when okay. there's something of, yeah. of meaning to put out. But I think just in terms mm. of the analysis that I've done over the past... Uh, two years, there's certainly at least some text that can come through this. Ultimately, in the long term, I think the stronger benefit actually in, like, real genetic research through that. Um, But that's certainly a a longer-term project. I talked to you last week associated with uh, getting connected, getting registered with an online dispensary, which was in large part an experiment that my spiritual advisor said I should try, I've been hesitant to do this because my perspective, and certainly the perspective that had been given to me when I got my medical card, was that I would be doing a whole lot of running around and nonsense associated with this. Uh, however, as- is this all because you're not uh, you you don't have the proper ID? No, or what? I it's don't because understand. well, firstly, it's because I don't <coughs> have much interest in like purchasing and consuming cannabis. That's not the purpose behind... Well, uh, I I didn't do anything. All I did is go in there and uh, pulled out my... I think I did it on my credit card. I don't know. I don't remember how I did it now. No, I know they take cash. That's right. So I always get cash first. But your ID... I show them the thing from my physician. They give me a card uh, and I go in. Yeah. And I don't understand why you didn't even get in. Initially, with the online one, I provided them photo mm. evidence. I then provided them my passport. I then provided them, I think it was probably a, a DMV chip. Oh, oh you're trying to do this. Okay, online. And okay. I had to do okay. well yeah. initially. Yeah. And that took about six hours. And look, it was six hours, yeah. as I acknowledged last time, of kind of yeah. Yeah. comfort. Yeah. And then um, I noted that there was this dispensary opening at the end of the street. Yeah. So my wife had some stuff to do. I had my pocket full of all the information that I'd photographed and provided to this online site. Yeah. Went down there, uh, met with a security guard who said, uh, we need additional documentation, including the original letter from your physician. Now, I hadn't brought the letter from my physician. Stupidly, I could have. Yeah. I didn't. But I acknowledged that the card was signed by the physician and also the website that the card linked to had the original letter from the physician in digital form. 
So basically, they could have gained this information yeah. anyway. Yeah. I've since learnt that this particular establishment is very concerned about the, being raided by the city, and has created their own additional requirements to register. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Which yeah. I've learnt after the fact in doing mm-hmm. some additional yeah. research. In this place. <laughs> it's unfortunate. But, My perspective uh, yeah. is well, I didn't want to have anything more to do with them. The manager came out and through interacting with her and the security guard, I just thought. This whole thing is insane. Plus, they're yeah. wasting my time on a hot yeah. Saturday morning. Yeah, yeah there's all sorts of other things, things to do. To do. <laughs> yes. Individuals. Uh, so we parted ways uh, in a relatively unfriendly manner. And, um, yeah, it was all very curious. But I realized that basically the existing... I mean, I, my understanding is that there is a dispensary in, um, in Oakland and there's a dispensary in Santa Cruz that seems to show at least some of my philosophical interests, at least associated with, you know, redoing medical research. But I'm not going out of my way to interact with these entities anytime soon, and certainly my experience Yeah, what do you want from a dispensary? My interest, actually, is to talk to them more about... So, currently, the dispensaries, including this one at the end of the street, (coughs) do multi-part testing on the cannabis that's presided to them. They test typically for over three to ten psychoactive or pain-reducing chemicals, and then most of them also test for what are called terpenes, which are just basically uh, taste and smell yeah. additives or parts of the growing process. Yeah. Some of them now, this one in Oakland and the one down in Santa Cruz, although I'm not really sure about the Santa Cruz one, We'll also do cannabis genome matching through this. Because my hypothesis through reading this stuff is that actually what is being tested for a medical cannabis associated with, you know, THC, THCA, CBD, CBN, CBG, what have you, is all anti, it's, it's not scientific. I mean, it's not even, there's no methods associated with these things. It's just like big number good. You know, that's the <laughs> rationale. And through this kind of big number good logic... Oh, 400! Whoa! Yeah, whoa. <laughs> the nature of the regions that these plants have come from, but also the massive and completely haphazard blending through the kind of criminal period, means that none of the stuff that people talk about, and I think are, are being honestly truthful associated with particular strains that came from Vietnam, Cambodia and Thailand, none of which exists to this day. They've been blended and masqueraded yeah, with yeah. a variety of things and, you know, hermaphrodite yeah. plants and a variety of other things. And no one's, no one's gone back except for extreme connoisseurs and gone to these original locations, gone the original seeds and not allowed into breeding and have kind of maintained their yeah. own particular strains. So you think most of those strains are actually still there? Yeah. Okay, so they're there if we want them. Well, I guess my broad concern here is that what's happening now is kind of folk medicine approach, which you see... Well, it's it's language monkey approach. Well, yes. <laughs> That's the problem. Yeah. <laughs> I guess my perspective is when, as some states have, California will be, you know, legal... Eventually. Eventually. (laughs) Maybe in the next election, maybe Maybe. not. And the amount of money that has been spent internally within California associated with... I mean, this notion of the Cannabis Genome Project is actually a California-based initiative. Uh 
And there are all these things that I think are absolutely fascinating. I got my card in order to interact with these things legally. I mean, to, you know. And I guess my difficulty is the dispensary culture is about, um, you know, super... Diesel haze number four, you know, blueberry. Well, not all of it, but yeah, the majority. Yeah, you got to find. There are probably some people out there that you would. This is why I'm trying to talk to. to. This is exactly. This is the search. Yeah, right. Until I find those people, then I can do my own. You know, well, you go as high as you can go and take as many names as you can get, and which is basically what I've done. What I've done up until now, but it's particularly fascinating to me because this is. Dark Age stuff, which has been cultivated, for want of a better cliche, through criminality. And what is now being masqueraded as, you know, medicinal cannabis is actually a series of really very curious things associated with illegality and just basic mistakes that have been made. Also, I don't see... I mean, there are kindred spirits out there. I know that. I know that there exists a small group of these folk. But it's relatively difficult to actually get contact with them, and I don't want to spend my period of time on forums and all this other gumph, because basically yeah. a lot of that kind of criminal groupthink is still inhabiting these areas. Anyway, to be continued, I just wanted to provide a, an update with that. It wasn't in my written notes, but I thought I at least owned, owed the Stone Ape listening audience some more information in that light, S- somewhat humorously. The final thing I have in my notes relates to, as I alluded to last recording, I spent an afternoon with a couple of listeners, my spiritual advisor and a fellow who'd come over from Boston who had participated in model rail radio for a few years. At the lunch, our listener Rich Murphy asked me if I thought there was a meta-narrative within Stone Ape, and was this something that I was aware of and actively kind of constructing towards? Because it appeared, through his listening at least, that he thought that there was a meta-narrative that I was in some way in control of associated with these recordings, which I found fascinating. And as noted, and my co-worker has gone back and listened to the last recording, said he will provide more feedback in a future date that I might air on, uh, on Stone App accordingly. I thought Rich's perspective merited some degree of discussion because initially it caught me very much that the whole notion of this chaotic thing actually having a meta-narrative seemed rather curious. I mean, it's almost like I'm kind of scheming a way to, you know, get elements of the truth out there to people. I mean, that to me seemed a bit naive. Isn't that what we're doing? <laughs> that seemed to be a bit what? naive. But the more I thought about <laughs> oh, it, the more... Oh, I... <laughs> shit. <laughs> what? The more I thought about it, the more I realized that probably... There probably is a perspective like that that listeners could, particularly long-term listeners, could get a sense of the way the topics kind of come up in a periodic fashion and some topics are layered and some topics kind of come up. And truth be told, and I've told you this and I've told other folks who've asked me about this, I do kind of pick the topics for Stone Ape based on things that I think we probably could talk about. And they do follow some kind of meandering, but... The idea of, a, of a, an arranged or a planned meta-narrative in Stone Ape <laughs> certainly left me in a kind of quizzical state from... Yeah, what's tonight. wrong with me? What the hell have I been wasting my time here when I could also have been programming these fucking idiots to think the right way? Yes. Duh. Yes. You've woken up since then, I hope. 
<laughs> I, I never, uh, I never had that uh, perspective. <laughs> but no, it struck me as actually quite curious, and I wonder. I mean, this, these, these are perspectives that come to us from a listening audience that do not fit any of our preconceived notions of the folks that might be listening to this. Oh, thing. that's great. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, well, but my. Well, I don't really have any preconceived notion anymore. So, yeah. <laughs> but it's good. Can you tell me something? Do you know something about these people or this person? Or uh, well, actually, it's interesting because I think there's a kind of curious break that occurs periodically with some of our listeners, and that is associated with the fact that I don't even know. I think I'm 38 currently. Maybe I'm 37. I turn 38 this year. Maybe I'm 38 and I turn 39 this year. I'm 38 and I turn 39 this year. A number of our listeners are considerably older than I am. Uh, I don't know. There might be listeners that are older than you, even. I would hope that would be the case. Uh, in any case, <laughs> so, however, I think most of our discussions have a somewhat ageless component because I don't talk about Justin Bieber nearly as much as I probably should. <laughs> and um, it's relatively easy to kind of remove us from specific age groups, I think. So certainly the feedback I've received recently has come from listeners that are... I don't necessarily want to say considerably older than me, but certainly are older than me, uh, and enjoy Stone Ape probably for somewhat of the meeting of minds between your perspective and my perspective. Although sometimes I find it quite interesting because I I don't actively think about how old you are in any of our interactions. So you Maybe you allude to the fact that sometimes you acknowledge how old I am in these interactions. But historically, you've not being, you know, you've, you've not in any way hidden the fact that you'd like to get your gendo, your stupidities, ideas, the language monkey oh, yeah, elements yeah. out to a broad audience. Yeah, yeah. Would you think of that as a meta-narrative through our discussion? A meta? Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> I'm here. Uh, yeah. yeah. Clearly. Yeah. If people like the way I think about things, then uh, if there's any reason for them to want to learn more about it, then they should probably pay attention to what I'm doing. <laughs> I guess my perspective associated with a meta-narrative is almost that it is contained in what we are doing as well. That it is something that doesn't require other media or other forms of interaction, that purely by narrative alone over time, over long periods of time, there is some underlying element that is, as you say, not necessarily manipulating, but certainly affecting people sufficiently that they might... Say, yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know the, whether it's manip... I don't really care, <laughs> actually. <laughs> yes. But it does appear that people actually can kind of get this stuff yeah. on deep levels, but it's a tough way to get it because you, you don't have any... Well, it's, it's a tough it's a way. It's a very slow way. way. I mean, yeah. it's a very Well, it's a slow, slow way, way and it's a difficult. It's nicer yeah. if you can just bite the bullet and just buy somebody's belief system <laughs> for a while yes. and then dump it. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, well, there are lots of different ways. Uh, your way is, is your way. I guess, I mean, my perspective thinking about from end to end, Stone Ape containing a meta-narrative... Struck me. I mean, I don't consider myself the same person that I was when I lived in Las Vegas, and certainly I don't consider myself the same person as I was when we first reconnected and started talking. 
It's interesting, actually, because I've used the term Netflix, Tom, in mm. conversation. You've assumed that that means work, Tom. My spiritual advisor uses Netflix to actually represent the time that we've lived in the Bay Area. So this ah. is their interactions outside of work with this, this entity. Mm-hmm. Um, I do, in general day-to-day life, joke with people associated with the Tom of, you know, a few months ago or a year ago being a different Tom. <laughs> uh, I had an interesting experience through the week where I mm. rediscovered work that I'd done six months ago, like it was a new entity that I was interacting with. And mm-hmm. I actually followed that through with linguistic humour and my co-workers, and it was it worked. Everyone thought it was funny as hell. <laughs> there was this Tom in the past that I had no right. idea about yeah. but was helping me in the yeah. present. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, I think... That, that, it's a win on a whole bunch of levels yeah. for you. Yeah. <laughs> so, yes, the only meta-narrative I can return to is a, perform- a form of performance acting, really, which is also what I guess I'm cultivating through short funk. A notion that with a certain degree of rapidity on particular topics and particular exploration of topics, which you assist with, obviously, through candid interruptions, we can, uh, you know, float ideas that obviously resonate with a group of listeners. What I find curious through this is that there are a group of people who hate, and hate is a very strong word here, but absolutely hate the format of Stone Age. (laughs) And some of them are, um, they're like um, former smokers, you know, They've listened to a few episodes, well, and then they basically go on a, uh, a focus well, But if rant. they hate it, but they're still in communication. Oh, no. they Well, it's always the final communication, which is the most beautiful in this interaction. They Oh, I love to hear some of that. Oh. Well, some of it's actually been aimed at you. I mean, my understanding is most of these former listeners have actually given it to you considerably more candidly than they've approached me about it. You've oh, well, I, I, never, I never see this stuff. No, so, you talked you know. previously about people that have said to you, that I have actively alienated from them from the podcast and oh, they're not I've... listening anymore and all these kind of things. I mean, you could have done that just yeah. for jest, but my understanding is... No, no, there was a time, on... but that was years ago. Was that, it? That, that was, when that happened. Lately, I have no idea what's yeah, going on. I haven't know. done anything with it. Yeah. Well, okay, years ago. That's interesting. My recollection was it was probably only a couple of years ago at most. Well, even six months ago is a long time. It is a long time ago. Really, what counts is what are we doing right now? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, the nature of offending people to their core without actually knowing that I've offended people to their <laughs> core is so central with my life that I just say, uh-huh. oh, that again. <laughs> yeah. Ah, it happens. Yeah. You know. yeah, yeah. <laughs> what can I do to change this? I'm not. Well, you can. Uh, you can change it entirely if you want to. I mean, it's a... Well, it's except... Not, a, yeah. 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 I mean, that's sort of what I'm looking at in some ways is mm. is um, how to tone down <laughs> some of my stuff yeah. to the obvious conclusions yeah. uh, and just sort of uh, steer away from them. Yeah, my perspective is that a couple of our cats that we have here would be much better horses, but I can't actually get them to be horses, so do I invest my time in in angstly saying these cats should be horses, or should I just invest my time in appreciating them as cats? Or you, you could get a horse, I suppose. Yeah, the problem is that actually the cats would make better horses than any horse would make. That's the difficulty. Ah, okay, all right. So we're talking about your own particular pathology. <laughs> all right, I got it. <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, Wh- I whatever is, you others, say is what me, so. <laughs> if others want me to be a horse and I'm a cat... They can want me to be a horse, but I'm going to be a cat. And quite frankly, if others enjoy me as a cat, I'm going to be a cat. 
Yeah, I've always found it very curious associated with this. But I look in the past week, as I talked about on Short Funk, I've reconnected with my cousin who didn't want to have anything to do with me for a period of time, and I'm going to behave as you have advocated in a very softly, softly fashion with regards to this individual. However, this is my cousin, and the folks who contacted you and done a variety of things with regards to me. I got plenty more. There's a queue, actually. Particularly, I feel this with Model Rail Radio. I can offend 50 people in Model Rail Radio, and there's still going to be 500 people behind them that want to participate in the show. So, yeah, yeah, you know. How. how can you offend somebody on Model Rail Radio? You, this, is, this is the current lamentation. I've talked about this previously in Stone Age, but now listeners, because they were coming from a Model Rail Radio event, said to me, in person... Do not underestimate what you have done with Model Rail Radio. It is an amazing and well-loved act. You cannot underestimate what you've done with Model Rail Radio. What has happened, I think, is that I've actually formed a community which is too inclusive, and there are a group of people that seem to think that they could take their petty fights to this in a public forum, and then I'm supposed to adjudicate, which means you hear from one person that says, it's like schoolgirl gossip. Yeah, you hear from yeah. one person that says oh, something. Man, take it somewhere else, man. Something else. Take, I'm not adjudicating this thing. I just no. want to actually record a podcast occasionally yeah, and put it yeah. out. Absolutely. You know? yeah. So, yeah. And so you just tell, send them somewhere else. Tell, you know, create another site for them. Well, that's why I created the Bikini Model Railroaders thing. And, you know, that worked in the short term. But I don't know what <laughs> yeah. I do with Post these. Post your other, problems there. <laughs> I don't know what I do with these other miscreants. And it is kind of curious. Oh, that could be fun collecting those. Yeah. <laughs> that could be great. Your the whole Model purpose could fight be. Out. To, and when you get enough of them, you create a, an hour long special that you can sell for yeah. $29.95. Where they just call and abuse each other. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, it'd be perfect. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the pay-per-view abuse of Model Rail Radio. We get all the former people from Model Rail Radio that have their own particular <laughs> hatreds and dislikes. We put them together in one podcast, screaming abuse at each other, and then we release it for $29. Heron, you are a genius. You are a genius. I know, it's amazing. <sighs> How, how come you didn't end up in corporate America with that kind of wisdom? You came so close, too. No, I ne- never did. It was <laughs> from... It was from a fantasy. Point, it's a, yeah, it was a fantasy. <laughs> yeah, too bad. It would have been a lot easier. I mean, some people did it. Some people oh, managed yeah. to ride Even that way. Even my father did that. Pardon? Even my father did that. When my father came out to uh, UCLA, he became a corporate speaker for a period of time talking about how the sociology of emotions and affected business interests and things like that. It's one of the strangest parts of my father's career, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, I'm going to the National Model Rail Association National, that's two nationals in a row, National Show in Portland, uh, not this week, but the week following. And only for a few days, I'm going to be back here for a few days, and I'm going to my sister-in-law's wedding, at, completely out of order, in that reverse order. I'm hoping that the time in Portland, which is where this train show is going to be, is going to kind of reinvigorate me associated. I mean, we've got these meals where there are 20 plus people coming, 20 different people at each meal, and I'm going to wander around on the show floor. I got a press pass with my spiritual advisor, and I will have a press pass as well. It's still costing about $1,000, I think. It's still costing a pretty, pretty penny to get out to this thing. But I'm hoping that this time will be very, um, 
energy reinvigorating associated with this thing that's been... Bring your notebook with you. Model well, that's why my <laughs> spiritual advice is going to be there, because she's going to have a camera. Ah, uh, okay. All right. Yeah, good. All right. But it's more than just that. I mean... Well, yes. I think you know, it's... it's, it's yeah. You really got to... You're going to meet some interesting people. Last time I went to one of these things, I went to one of these things in uh, Michigan, uh, Grand Rapids, Michigan, just before actually we resumed our recording of, of Stone Age. And um, that was quite an experience because I got to see the model railroading establishment for the first time in the flesh. And certainly it was an oil and water-like moment. In fact, they really didn't know how to deal with me, particularly because their numbers <laughs> like going through the floor, like dropping, dying, people yeah, say. Yeah. Uh, and my numbers are, you know, <laughs> now three and a half, four times what their numbers are. So, yeah, it's going to be strange going back because they all have, because they're old, you know, they're old media interests, they all have booths, and I'm just going to be wandering around with a posse, like <laughs> some mafia don, I guess. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, it's Really? You're going to be to... there with a posse? Yeah. Well, that's what this thing is about, right? It's about going and... So how many people are you going to have with you? Uh, there are people flying out from Australia. I counted about 80 people. There were 80? active listeners that are going to be... But there are probably considerably more that haven't contacted me. Who are okay, all right. So yeah, I, my perspective is this is going to be the largest model rail radio event yet. Show one hundred was large. This is going to be larger. Yeah, yeah. Well, this could be real interesting to see how what happens. Yeah, <laughs> yeah uh, that's my perspective, and a number of people are really very excited to come out to see me, <laughs> which is a very curious thing. I'm, I'm sure to disappoint. But, uh, yeah, it's a very, very curious thing. Well, start off with that line, and you're okay. <laughs> I've already warned them. Yeah. I'm a yeah, large ape-like yeah. creature. So. Yeah, yeah, and they'll all laugh and think it's funny, and, and you've spoken the absolute truth, and they think it was a sort of a mm. mildly lame, humorous start. Yeah. And then you can get on with it. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> I accidentally bought eight T-shirts to take there. I originally thought I was only buying... Five, but then Cafe Press doubled the three order, um, and I'm giving a few of those away. But yeah, I'll, I'll certainly be dressed for the event, and uh, yeah, it's going to be an interesting time. I've always find the old media, old company interests, and the fact that uh, yeah, they're just like it's very curious when you go there representing new media, and you've got these old media folk there. Yeah, yeah, they're really. Well, they're different universes, really. They shouldn't really be at the same place. <laughs> yes, it's you kind know, of, I mean, really, yeah. there's no point in that. Yeah. That's ridiculous, you yeah. know. Yeah. Well, oh, and they haven't figured that out no, yet? No, no. <laughs> no, they're still the number one game in town from their perspective. I, I may have given you this account, but I went to a extraordinary layout, extraordinary for a variety of reasons. It's basically a guy's basement, including a, a restroom and a standard office which has, in some cases, three layers of trains, which means shelves at kind of a foot distance apart, all with trains running along them, throughout the basement, kind of curving through a variety of things, up to five layers of trains in some circumstances, including the the bathroom that has two layers of trains going through it. I mean, literally, just above the sink, there's a train going through, and then slightly higher around the back of the toilet stall, there's a train going through Anyway... I was at this layout, and the folks from Model Railroader were there as well at Grand Rails, and I was pushed off into the bathroom area as these guys lamented how famous they were and how amazing it was for them to be there, and 
you know, how amazing it was for all these people to be in their presence. And I just thought, <laughs> night and day, ladies and gentlemen, night and day. So, yeah, the next one is going to be in Indianapolis. And um, I might get out to that one. There's, you know, there's a possibility at least for me to go out to that one. But this one is pretty close, and I really want to see Portland. I've not been to Portland before. I've flown over it a few times, but I'd actually like to set foot in it. We're eating at three different restaurants for the organised lunches, and then probably lunches and dinners, and then I'll probably pick up a couple of meals with other folk at some stage through this process. But yes, I'll have a lot to report. I think we will probably record next week as normal, and then I fly out over the weekend, uh, and then start this wedding return Portland return experience, which will get me back here on Sunday, so there won't be a recording the week following. And truth be told, I was at a stage of exhaustion today where I thought, well, I could almost cancel this recording, but then I thought, no, it'll all fall together. I'll be able to get my get myself into a cognizant state where I can actually speak sentences. <laughs> I wish I could be so sure of myself. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, unfortunately this room is giving back in spades associated with the heat and just general uh, difficulty for recording. I've nearly, well... I packed a bunch of stuff up and then was going to put it up in the attic and unfortunately Sunday was overtaken by this listener and get-together of uh, Model Rail Radio and Stone Ape listeners. Uh, so, yes, I've got a bit of work to do. And then I've got friends coming in again this Sunday, which this fellow I've talked about previously, very interesting fellow, he's now had a child. He's a professional consultant for a language called Erlang, which is a, I don't know how one would describe it, it's kind of a network infrastructure language which is now being used in large part through this fellow's evangelism used in a variety of different areas including massively multiplayer games and in a variety of different environments and he really is quite a character i should really post his most recent interview please uh give me yeah Yeah, because he is there was a period in fact this is not true at all but i like to think that there was a period when our paths crossed in the uk in 2001 where he could have become a noble ape evangelist. Of course, that really wouldn't have been the case. But I like when we meet periodically to get his latest take on what noble ape evangelism campaign would actually look like, because this guy just sleeps, eats and breathes this Erlang thing. And yeah, I'll post a, I'll post a video as soon as I get off this call, actually, okay. of him speaking, so you can get a clear indication for it. He's probably about six or seven years older than I am. But he may not be. He may just have aged through this child being born, and maybe he just has a slightly different air about him. He was instrumental in the development of Noble Ape because he gave me a, a room, basically a studio apartment in Stockholm to crash in when I went up to Stockholm to meet with Ericsson. And it was just a wonderful space. It was through midsummer, so it was like 24 hours of daylight. But it was just a tiny little apartment looking out over all of Stockholm where I could work in the afternoons and evenings on no Ape, completely undisturbed. And I could go down and buy strange pickled fish and pasta and tomato sauce and all the stuff that I needed for, you know, food, salads, orange juice, I seem to recall. Plus, there were also, like, a bunch of, like, restaurants and things close by. But it was just an amazing... I think it was only a week. And through this period of time, I completely rewrote no Ape, which at the time was... Not probably as much of a thing if I rewrote it currently, but at the time, 
And it was very much based on Apple's open source initiatives and lots of the diagrams that they'd started putting out about their new operating system, which became, you know, OS X, OS X. But yeah, it was an interesting period and completely down to this guy just having a family apartment in Stockholm that he could lend me. And we've gone back in contact with each other. We met up in Vegas a couple of times. I think he's certainly, he's come out to the Bay Area because he does his, he does these Erlang seminars to various enterprises that are interested in picking up this language. Um, and they're typically done either in Vegas or here. Uh, so we see him probably about once a year. I got him, or his buddy, who actually created the language Erlang, Joe Armstrong, to give a talk at Netflix maybe two or three years ago, and then he came out more recently. Uh, but yeah, he's an interesting character, and when you see his video, you'll see exactly what I mean associated with just this driven narrative. And not even really particularly... I, I'm hesitant to say it, but I'll say it out loud. Not even really particularly insightful technological discussion, just a pitch man, a perfect pitch man, associated with this language. What would have happened if I had had some of that DNA with Noble Ape? It would have been, um, it would be a very different world now, Heron, most definitely. But yeah, unfortunately I just don't take myself seriously enough. <laughs> Which I actually think is a remarkably good thing, but others might look on, particularly in a capitalistic society, as being not so good. Anyway, Heron, I'm fading fast here, so I'm probably going to have to sign out. We will hopefully do this thing next week, uh, and hopefully I'll have a bunch of new topics. I've got to instigate people associated with these promised topics that they keep threatening me about. So they will be coming soon too. Do you have any final wisdom, any final insights that you want to provide? Are you there, Heron? Heron? <laughs> I hear a snicker in the background. Hello, Heron. Well, I have your cell phone number, Heron, so I can report you down. Hello, Heron. Well, this is an interesting ending to a Stone Ape recording, ladies and gentlemen. I'll give you one last chance, Aaron, and then I will report your cell phone number and uh, get uh, professionals out to see that you are okay. In five. In four. In three. Well, I'm getting no audio from you, Aaron. And I have your cell phone number. In fact, I even know where you live. Well, if you don't want this reported, you've got uh, a minute or two to speak. But I'm just getting silence. Okay, well, it is what it is, folks. Are you okay, Heron? Tap once for yes. <laughs> this went on for a bit too long here. This bit was very good. Do you want to say goodnight, or do you just want to end it as it is? Are you in any way offended? Have I done something to irritate you? <laughs> the model has gone on for too long. What's, what's the issue here, Aaron? You just want to try this silence thing. Well, anyway, to be concluded now, folks, 
Aaron appears to be okay. Hopefully this time next week. Well, I'm fading here first, Aaron. I will say goodnight. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, yeah no, I can hear you fine. So what do you think actually happened? I, I'm clueless. Um, I, um, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I was genuinely concerned. Yeah, well, you should have been. That that was. <laughs> I, I appreciate your concern. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a little concerned about it too. I don't know. Uh, my recollection is um, that you sort of signaled that you were done, and I didn't have anything else to say, and and so I hung up. But that's and, not what the recording shows. No, right? no, I know, I know. That's why I, I listened to the recording. And it's not not there, but that's that's what my memory is. See, Do you that's think what you put the headphones down. It's, did you take the headphones off without actually hanging up? Were you relying on me to hang up? Oh, well, apparently, uh, well, apparently, I I did. Apparently, yeah. Apparently, I just took the headphones off and. And uh, although, you know, that's such an automatic thing for me to do, but apparently I, I uh, didn't hang up. Yeah. I guess. Well, I wasn't sure whether it was a joke initially, and then I thought, well, what the fuck do I do in this circumstance? Yeah, well, you just <laughs> hang up and say goodnight, folks. <laughs> well, that's what I did. But, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, no, I appreciate I'm glad you don't think I was overstepping my bounds by calling Garden Grove and just making sure that they checked up on you. Because oh. it was very strange. Oh, that was... Oh, okay. They they said something else. They said someone. I did get a call from the police. Yeah. <laughs> Fancy that. Ah, interesting. Yes. Yeah, and uh, they went away satisfied. You know? Yeah. No, I called them and I said, "Look, it's a strange situation. I do this yeah. recording every week, and the call just like yeah. stopped, and I could still hear breathing. I could still hear he was there. Like, I gave them your address, and I gave them his cell phone. I said, call his cell phone first to make sure he's okay.'" Yeah, and then you know proceed accordingly. They called me back within thirty seconds, saying you were fine. Oh, good. Yeah, I I, I was. It's <laughs> funny, you know. I'm trying to think who. It, I I don't know what happened to me. I must have had some mini stroke or something, or, or some yeah. some weird event. Because yeah. my memory of all of that. I mean, I remember talking to the. Female. It was a woman. It was a woman, yeah. Yeah, and she was quite nice and seemed satisfied that I was reasonable and not in, yeah. in likelihood to hurt anybody. So. Yeah. But, I, you know, that didn't even seem – I mean, the fact You didn't that even somebody, connect the two things together. No, no. The police I mean, just randomly called just randomly calling me. <laughs> well, because I'm such a nice guy. Yeah. You know? that's That's got to explain it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> stranger things have happened in my lifetime, so this isn't the strangest thing, I yeah. guess. You know, I can't yeah. complain about it. Yeah, I should have probably just called you back insistently, but the whole thing was kind of strange because you're kind of breathing and then chuckling. I thought, is this a bit? Like, is this well, see, now it's funny. I don't hear, I hear one. At the very end, you giggle. Yeah. yeah, Yeah, I hear that. And that strikes me as really weird. I mean, I have no, no recollection of, of any of that stuff. And uh, in fact, the last couple sentences that I do that are clearly articulated, uh, I have no recall of them at all. Mm. You know, <laughs> it's like somebody else came in and took over. Mm. For a while. <laughs> well, 
I'm glad you're okay, Heron, or at least I think you're okay talking well, to you. Uh, well, whatever. <laughs> well, listen, man, you know, are any of us really okay? Well, or just all, are we all just masking our symptoms? <laughs> yeah. It was a weird experience, Heron. So. Yeah, well, tell me. <laughs> yeah, I, I noticed well, that. <laughs> yes. Now, my perspective was that you would just... Like, I mean, I, yeah, I went through a series of things. And the funny thing yeah. is I went through the usual process of uploading and I thought, this is wrong. I need to do something here just to signify that things are okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know. And the police, were, look, the woman was very polite. She understood exactly. I told her the procedures. She called you. That was easy. Yeah. So. And yeah, that worked out really good. That's that they did a good job. You should, did you thank them very yes, well? No, uh, definitely. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. yeah. I, I've, um, well, yeah, I don't, I don't, I've never had bad interactions with Garden no. Police, so. Yeah, I wish we could import them in San Jose. <laughs> yeah. Well. Anyway, well, if you're in good spirits this evening, uh, I'll, I'll leave you in that condition. Yeah, well, thanks. <laughs> Appreciate it. <laughs> yes. Yeah, thank you. I'm not even sure how, well, what I'll do is put this concluding audio in in the recording and, uh, yeah, I don't know. It might scare people. That's my concern associated with potentially airing. Oh, that's interesting. Do you want me to air it? I'll air it if you want me to air yeah, it. Yeah, uh, I don't care. You know, <laughs> do do what you think uh, is reasonable, you know? Yeah. I think you'll get a lot of concern if I air that audio, particularly with the yeah, yeah, audio Yeah, well. it may. Uh, so you well, might get, you know, Well, people. that's an interesting... Well, you know, we could... This, this is all theater anyway, isn't it? So... <laughs> What the hell's the difference? Yeah. That's what we're here for. Yeah. Is drama? I mean, shit. What we stroke doing, right in the middle of a, <laughs> a, of a, a you know, of a What do you call it? Podcast. Yeah, yeah that's a, so. you know, Yeah. You know, that's that's pretty fucking dramatic. That could put our ratings know, through the ratings. roof. Well, I don't know. Maybe not immediately, but it oh, could believe he- me, could help. I could market this thing very well, Heron. Yeah, yeah. I, I was going to call it the last recording anyway, but now you've given yeah. me so much more yeah, uh, ammunition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, it can't be the last recording. We're going to have a whole bunch of <laughs> near, near the last recording. Near the last recording. Yeah. A deterioration. Well, Heron, you have a good evening. I'm glad you're okay, or at least as okay as you can be in these circumstances. <laughs> and uh, yeah. we'll talk again next week. Take care. Okay. Good night. See you.